0: Welcome to Alpha Bunga Bunga, the globalist, cultural, Marxist politics podcast at the end of the end of history. What we're going to do today, it's the three of us. It's Alex Hockley in Sao Paulo, Brazil, George Hoare in London, and Phil Cunliffe in Canterbury. We're discussing some of the ideas that are emerging as part of the Alpha Bunga Bunga book. If you're not familiar with what we're doing, uh, we are we're writing a book about politics at the end of the end of history, which I'm sure will be a surprise to many out there. What we're going to do here is go through some of the ideas that the book has thrown up, uh, specifically a section on ideologies of the near future. Uh, George has been responsible for drafting some of this, so George is kind of lead us here. So what we're aiming for here is a little bit of a, a writer's room vibe. Uh, these are the—I actually don't know what a writer's room vibe means. These are just the notes that George wrote down, but um, I hopefully he knows what he means a
1: lot of cocaine a lot of good ideas going back and forth um no so <clears throat> yeah i guess what we're trying to do with this um with this section of the of the book is to um i guess extend our reading of the current moment our our analysis of what's going on in the in the present into the future um i think it's necessarily the most speculative uh bit of the book it, it uh is the bit where we kind of could be proved wrong more or less uh, quickly um but the aim is to avoid all this kind of lame bourgeois futurology um and to try and you know try and say what we think is going to be the ideological uh, the structure of the ideological conflict in in the next um in the next decade provide a bit of a framework to this people love frameworks people people can't get enough framework so we're, we're going to add ours um into the mix and yeah it's, it's not it's not finished yet so i think um you know, all of these things are in in development, but I think it's in some ways more interesting to talk about stuff when it's still a bit fluid. Um, And I certainly haven't made my mind up on on all of the points I'm sure that we'll be discussing. So looking forward to chatting it through. So that's what we're we're trying to do with this with this bit of the book is say, what's coming? What's coming? What's next? That's the way I should have put it. The global politics uh, at the end of the end of history. What comes next? So tell us what comes next. Yeah well I mean we talked about this uh, what, which... what's the main argu- what's the main argument of the... Yeah so we talked about all of this um over a few glasses of cachaça in in Brazil um so we can I'm sure we can uh, repeat some of some of those uh discussions yeah I think the basic idea um the hot the hot take um of this and obviously to to find out more by the book when it comes out um is that there's going to be three main clusters of um i guess of of ideologies which are going to emerge or this is this our take in in the next 10 years so and the left is going to i think find it quite difficult to adapt to this for a number of reasons which i think are going to become clear as we as we discuss it so basically the left um will retreat to a position of technocratic do-gooderism um we can explore that term a little bit more but i think it's going to be a combination of politics as management and politics as charity, leaning on a lot of supranational devices to try and get the quote-unquote right policies involved. The the new centre is going to be a kind of post-neoliberal conservatism, focused very much on a state capitalist model, and then the right is going to be this kind of probably, probably this blend of reactionary ecology and maybe some kind of 21st century strongman um, approach to politics. And I think the reason why it's important for us to 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 couch it in this way is that the the kind of centre-right projects for example in in the UK are not far right I think it's really important that the left is going to have to accept this new centre which is looking like it's going to be it's going to be dominant so I think that's the that's the framework that um, we could maybe explore in this discussion. George
2: you're drunk you mispronounced Kashasha. And that goes goes to show goes
1: <laughs> to show I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Don't cut that, that out because you can't cut out oh. all of the times when he does this and make him appear like he's a... <laughs> a sober analyst in any sense of that word. I
2: am a sober analyst. Um I think the main problem is that so I mean, you know, broadly speaking, obviously I think the the three ideological clusters is broadly right. I'm not it's very hard to get a grip on to get a grip on something which is fluid. So I think there are many kind of uh, analysts, commentators, um, even perhaps political leaders at the moment who are at the edge of particular trends. Um, but in the future, they will seem as the forerunners of a new centre ground. And so I think it becomes very difficult to, you know, from our point of view, it becomes it's obviously quite tricky to identify. Um, when precisely in an era in which uh, the ground is shifting to identify where things are headed. um. So I suppose I wanted to push you a bit more. If you think that there's a new, you know, if we take the model of Boris Johnson's Tories in the UK as a new centre-right, then where would be the reactionary ecology and strongman right politics of the future? I mean, where might we see that? What might it look like? Do we have any forerunners of it right now? If it's, um, I mean, where would it be? And mm. will the right really rely so heavily on ecology in order to make, to justify its project?
0: Yeah, good. But, good... Uh, wait, before, I think before, before answering that, I think it might be worth, as a way of setting this out as well, uh, that to say that the, you know, the politics up till now, more or less, have been dominated by neoliberalism and, and different wings of neoliberalism, right? You have a more right-leaning one, uh, which espouses slightly more conservative values, And you have a left neoliberalism, what Nancy Fraser calls progressive neoliberalism, which we discussed in a book club uh, a couple of months ago, um, which is, you know, the kind of Clintonite sort of politics, basically. Uh, And that's basically what you had. And then you have um, a sort of nativist reactionary right outside that. And on the left, you have a sort of emerging left populism. I mean, that's the politics of the past four years, five years, I think, but we were happy to... Happy to agree with that. And that, you know, that applies more or less across uh, Western Europe and North America. Um, so what we're trying to discuss here is, okay, so neoliberalism is breaking down. Um, is anyone going to still defend, you know, properly neoliberal politics or are they moving away from that? And what George said at the beginning is that the the right, at least the, you know, the kind of parties of the cent- traditional parties of the center right, be it the GOP in the US, the Conservatives. Um, in the UK, maybe the the kind of ex gaullists in France, uh, maybe the um, the CDU in Germany. That these parties are all going to move away from neoliberalism. That's your that that's the starting point. Is that what you're arguing?
1: Jordan? Yeah, no. I, I probably should have framed that a little bit more
0: more clearly. Um,
1: but I think all of these three camps um, or three kind of clusters are responses to the breakdown of neoliberalism. Um, with one important um, addition to that that there isn't a there isn't a recognizable left so when I talk about or when we talk about the left I think in this in this part of the book it will probably become quite clear that we're not in support of these ideas which are put forward in a nominally left-wing um guys because they're not based on class they're not based on democracy they're not based on some of the older ideas of the left and there's a separate conversation about whether in fact the left as such exists what's left as um some some people might might frame it which i think is a useful way to frame it um it's but a yeah lame way to
2: frame it.
0: why why is it's there a lame very, way to
2: frame it very it's cliche it's cliched what's left is it's the always the kind of the opening what's gambit. left of the
0: left is yeah yeah it's it means,
2: the always the opening is, gambit in some boring academic slash swp conference about th- what
0: well i think i think nick i think nick um oh what's his name the guardian columnist who nick comes resigned nick cohen yeah it was it has done kind of what's left of the left i think he had a book called that in kind of i don't know 2017 yeah he it, said that, he terrible. said
1: the real left Bad. was all about invading iraq if i remember correctly. <laughs> exactly <I didn't laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah yes.
0: exactly yeah I... fighting fighting islamo-fascism yeah
1: yeah so um yeah i guess to, to kind of address the question a bit more a bit more head on i mean of, of course the, the the challenge of this is to try to synthesize um global politics into a into a simple framework which tries to fit all different national contexts um uh, at, at the same time so inevitably it's a it, it's a oh, oh you like
0: oh you like politics name all politics <laughs> yeah
1: exactly um but no, no, no I think... i'm
0: serious do do it <laughs> name all politics uh <laughs>
1: yeah, class do it. politics do it. Our uh, struggle yeah um, yeah exactly different societies exactly. it takes different forms um there you go um no but i think that i think that's that's hopefully part of of uh, of what we're going to try and do in this in this part of the book is say well these are the tendencies this is what's this is what's emerging this is what's developing um in the in the present in the kind of the the way that different I guess different forces uh, seem to be aligning themselves to the breakdown of neoliberalism, and these 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 are the tendencies that can be can be drawn out, and this is what they might end up looking like. So yeah, as I said, it's 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 a bit more speculative than the rest of the book. So it's good to it's good to kick off with this and and um think big, dream big in our in our analysis. It
2: might it might also be good to kind of answering Alex's point. It might also be good to put the question as to what happens to neoliberals. Um, and it is an interesting question because, uh, in a sense, they've never, you know, I mean, a lot of them, I think, would say, I mean, there's a question as to what neoliberalism is, and yeah, you know, there's a big debate and this and that, and, and you know, to be fair, it has been a uh, way for the left to evade some of its own, um, to evade some of its own internal problems by uh, blaming everything on this enormously kind of malevolent and hegemonic and overwhelming force. Uh, called neoliberalism, which pervades every aspect of society and is impossible to escape. Anyway, so,
1: so no, the, no, no, my I think this is an important point, and my take here is that the 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 discredited neoliberals, they they do have a they do have a route out, which is to double down on some aspects. Yeah, of they will the aggressive.
2: I was going to say, but they, if, well, but effective, but effectively, they're put in the position. A lot of them now are put in the position of being uh, like communists in the nineteen nineties. Um, They're defending an idea that was never properly implemented. So for them, for neoliberals, you know, they would say, well, you know, kind of the people who've been trying to implement neoliberalism, it's never been properly done. It's always been um, regressive, artificial, uh, not pursued um, with the kind of degree of uh, systematicity and ruthlessness and um, single mindedness that's required for the project to actually work.
0: Yeah. The, and yeah, I think like that's there's still effectively... too much state. You know, you've, there's still there's yeah. still a welfare state. You know, etc. I mean, yeah. I know Brazil's relatively peripheral in, in all these matters, uh, and it's not a, kind of at the leading edge ideologically. But um, you know, you have the case here now where uh, the the Bolsonaro government, you know, its economic policy is hardline neoliberal, like completely ignorant of the fact that the world is turning against that and moving on from that. Um, and it's and, and the argument being that despite. Having broadly speaking, you know, kind of even under the the Workers Party government, Silva kind of semi neoliberal uh, sort of uh, economic policy. Uh, you know, today it's like going, no, now we need we've had way too much state. Now we need to do more of it. So, but I, you know, I, I I raise that example one to kind of confirm Phil's point about neoliberals will always say that you know, no, it was never truly implemented. I mean, at least, certainly the hardline neoliberals, um, but also to say that. Um, it probably won't be. It probably, I think that moment has gone. It's only maybe in places somewhere like Brazil where they can continue doing that. But I mean, you know, even I don't know in, in Turkey or in India, that's not what's being pursued now as as um, mm. that sort of policy, right? The kind of rollback, rollback neoliberalism, right? No, that's
2: right. And it, I suppose it it raises questions about then who is the who would be the challenger to the state um, in this kind of new. Um, so if neoliberalism was associated with. Uh, rolling back kind of collective provision and offering a critique, however problematic, but, you know, offering a critique of state power and the role of the state in contemporary society and, or at least posturing and claiming to be in the position of offering their critique. Then the question becomes who on the new kind of political spectrum or the new political landscape identified by George before, who occupies the place of being hostile to or suspicious of centralized state power? Because if everyone is kind of uh if everyone is drifting towards more role for um the state for the state in guiding society and ordering society, in um in uh, recovering from the crisis and the in the aftermath of neoliberalism, then the question is who is left to actually criticise state power?
1: I think there's probably there is a, there is a route here, um, but I think it is a good it is a good challenge. So my my guess my expectation is that. <clears throat> neoliberalism or those particularly defending more progressive strands of it will split into two, the more, the, the interests of capital, more straightforwardly, forwardly, um, I guess, advanced by this uh, this idea of state capitalism or this post-neoliberal conservatism, um, which we can come to later. But I think that what will be more interesting in, in some ways, because it will be much more fluid, Will be the what remains of the left, and how this could actually end up being um, the the kind of the 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 natural home of the professional managerial class of the people who actually, in their um, approach to redistribution, are, are somewhat indifferent and and probably quite meritocratic, and and so therefore fitted in quite well with neoliberalism in a number of ways but in their approach to to recognition as this is Nancy Fraser's distinction are are hyper progressive because you can see perhaps in this in this kind of technocratic do-gooderist um consolation there could be quite an anti-statist approach so if you extend some of the sunny optimism around some kind of tech solutionism that could be quite anti-statist it's not it's it's a critique perhaps on of the state on the basis of not solving problems not in terms of being an arbitrary power and that might that might not be exactly what you were driving at phil
2: yeah
0: i mean i mean, I, I, I actually think it might be worth exploring this kind of the question of the relationship to the state as a way of um, kind of breaking this open because i i worry that uh for people listening to this it might just be a lot of Big words, and you're kind of going, okay. Well, who's who's who here? You know, especially if the current reference points that people have become familiar with over the past decade, you know, those are disappearing. Then, then where do things go, right? So, so as not to be too at sea here, I think maybe it's worth going. You know, so who's the de- who's uh, who's like de- who's still doing the the state? Who's kind of critiquing state power? And I think one thing uh, is w- which you know, George kind of has written kind of drafted in the chapter is the idea of technocratic of a kind of sol- solutionism, right. Um, of, of a kind of doubling down on the kind of Silicon Valley vision of the world where state provision can be rolled back because now we have all these apps that will service, uh, all your needs. Um, and it'll be a kind of, you know, tech and market mediated means of, uh, of providing people with, with services. Right. Um, so, you know, you you know, you, you buy your water online, and you can choose between different water providers through an app. Uh, you know, tra- public transport infrastructure. You know, forget that. It's mainly just um, you know just Uber, basically. And so that would be, I guess, the the repository uh, that that kind of those sorts of ideas, and that's those sorts of um, ways of uh, providing services and 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 managing the economy. Uh, that would find its repository in kind of the kind of Silicon Valley vision of the world. Yeah.
1: And I think the, I, I mean, don't
2: understand who who would be the political owner of that vision.
0: The parties or in terms well, of, uh, yeah. Who,
2: or, well, I mean, political theory or political parties or whatever. I mean, because if that kind of Silicon Valley vision belongs to the past effectively, I mean, where does it stand in you know in Trump's America? Um,
0: well, I mean, I guess you have Andrew Yang except as part
2: of the PMC. Or yeah, the kind of Andrew Yang style um, yuppie insurgent populism. Or I mean, I just don't see that it's kind of a that it's it not has a, a, a natural place in the way that it did in the past. Where it's not a mass Silicon politics. Valley. Yeah, well, yeah, well, under Obama, you know, he had the alliance. Those, that there was one, one kind of group that was inside the Obama tent. Um, so it does but I'm not clear as to where that kind of group would fit into a new political project
0: in terms of a base or in terms of its kind of leaders because I think in terms of a base I agree it's not obvious who amongst the kind of broad populists would support that but there is, there's a fraction of capital there's you know kind of sections of capitalists in certain sectors especially tech who would would prefer that and who still want you know maybe the state to be rolled back especially as Uh, profit margins are narrow, that uh, the further privatization of of, uh, public sector. Yeah, and they're worried about tech stuff.
2: They're worried about breaking up big tech, which is kind of on the agenda now in the States, independently of any political party. Um, So, sure, I mean, uh, you know, they're just, but that's because they're on the defensive and they don't have the same kind of political grip that they used to, um, say, during the Obama years. I just don't see where, you know, it's part of the old technocracy. And yeah. I don't see where they fit anymore.
1: So I, I, I mean, my my take on it is is this that basically the, if you see the the left as um some sort of class alliance between the middle class and the working class in very broad terms, and you know parts of, parts of both, then the, particularly in the US and the UK, I think the the latter or I mean the, the former is going to come to predominate really clearly over the latter. So the middle class sections of 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 the left are going to come to to exercise various sorts of um cultural power over the over the working class sections and but what this that means is what,
0: but, that, but that is what you have now i mean what's, what's, yeah. that, so what's we,
1: that so if we so if but if we if we extend this then what does this look like i guess this is the, the basic idea so if we extend this then the left comes to be completely dominated by a left liberal ideology that has to justify itself on the basis of um, a doing to rather than, rather than a doing with or a, 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 a doing alongside um, working class agency. So this means that there is a whole set of um, non fundamentally non-mass um, ways to try to change society. And this is essentially technocracy. So one, I think, relatively minor part of this will be a really technologically inflected kind of um, Silicon Valley tech solutionism. But I don't think that has that I don't think that has a mass appeal. I think there needs to, there will be a much more, um, much more kind of down to earth version of this, which is essentially um, what I think you can see developing in, in the British Labour Party at the moment.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know how to approach this. I mean, without because that that, that, that all seems very driven just by the particular experiences of the Labour Party in the past six months, rather than being, I don't know if that's a, a kind of a big overview. What I, what I, Britain is the is the country is, of the future, just as Britain, just as it Britain was is in. Co- it's a completely irrelevant. England as
1: it was water. in sixteen forty, so it is, no, so it's today. No, um,
0: yeah. The the uh, w- what is relevant, I think, there is that you know, obviously we we doesn't we're not suggesting that any of these will be hegemonic. We're not saying what is the hegemonic idea of the future. We're saying what are the what are the kind of where the like the ideological fracture lines, right? What does what that what does ideological contestation look like uh, in the next two to five to maybe ten years, right? And so you can see that you can have one. A kind of marginal party, right? Like the Lib Dems in the UK, whatever, something that might get 15% of the vote uh, in in kind of major Western countries, which would be representing the interests of, you know, the professional managerial class, uh, maybe shifted a little bit leftwards. Uh, so maybe some element of redistribution, but maybe adopting ideas like UBI, as well as being quite pro-tech, I guess, you know, the, the kind of adopting tech solutionism. That That I kind of I can buy that idea that that is the, the kind of the new center left. Um, I mean, is that what you're, is that what you're proposing, George, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the, the framework in, in the, in the chapter is, is an attempt to sort of say, well, to it, it starts from the assumption that we're going to have, uh, continue to have um, a sort of politics that self identifies as left, a sort of politics which is more central and a politics which is more more right-wing and so what this what this part i guess uh, of, of of the book at least from my point of view is is trying to do is to say what are the tendencies within what is identified and identifies itself as the left and and to try to draw those out and see what is what is likely to be the direction of the direction of travel and i guess okay the, so
2: we're drifting go. a bit i think here um so where did we begin? We began with trying to. So where did they begin? So we started by talking about these various clusters. Um, I picked up the question as to where we you know what happens to the neoliberals. Um, we talked about kind of the emergence of the or the tech solutionism, associated with Silicon Valley ideology, how that no longer has kind of a natural bridgehead in um, the new kind of political structures, um, and we've kind of lost track. And so take us, um, bring us back to where we were. Um, so where were we kind of heading with these, um, where were we going with these clusters? So we've, we started with, um, you laid out, you laid out several of them, George, and we kind of, we've dealt with the idea of what happens to the neoliberals. They're left in the position of being kind of the great lost cause. Um, what about the people who would, who would defend the status quo? and what excuse me what does the status quo look like now
1: yeah i mean the status quo in 10 years um yeah i guess this is this is the potentially paradoxical situation that i think is relatively likely to emerge 10 years hence which is that we have a self-identified left politics which is actually defending the status quo which is actually looking to
0: um, That's not left I mean that's not left politics then I mean that's the, the name's just incorrect I mean the you know you can say that you this know is know that the left is just generally What would you call it then it.
2: We know the Labour Party is a defender of the the old neoliberal order here but it's still you know it's the major still kind the major of party leaning. of the left
0: Yeah left leaning center left I, I just calling it the left especially when there's been such a, a rupture on the left. I mean, you can see it now with the U.S. primaries where, uh, you know, between the Bernie wing and it's arguably the Warren wing and, and the rest of the Democratic Party, uh, you know, where where the Bernie movement goes uh, is is maybe more the left than, you know, the, the remnants of the Clintonite wing of the party. But you're, you know... You're melding the two together. Um, which
2: I think it, if you think
0: that's what's happening, then I you think, have to argue well, we that. I, to don't trust, think, that's I what's think we happening.
2: have to trust we have to trust our readers and our listeners, I think, to to understand what we mean. And we'll define it in the course of the writing as to to be clear about what we mean by it that it's a, it's a left which is at best in contradiction with itself, or perhaps a left which is entirely oblivious to and um entirely oblivious to and forgot, you know, it's entirely forgotten what its um, historical role has been. So, you know, I mean, we take that for granted, surely we're on the same page on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, fine. Um, but I mean, as a way of, of, of grounding this, I think it's worth maybe returning, because rather than saying what the left is going to do, and because you can say, yeah, the left is dominated by the PMC, so it'll continue to be dominated by the PMC, Um it may be worth, again, starting from where we are now and and starting from the initial question, which is that neoliberalism is breaking down. And if the, the establishment and certain sections of the establishment abandon neoliberalism, what does it do? And I think the discussions that we've had before about Johnsonism, um, right, so where Boris Johnson's government is pushing towards a post-neoliberal sort of government, basically where the kind of rolling back of the state austerity politics has bottomed out, right? So that no longer and and it doesn't have any purchase. So even the Tories are proposing, you know, increasing state investment and infrastructure, and so on, right? So if we think that's going to be a general case, and I think that is because, you know, if you look at what Trump's just tweeting out now, Trump is positioning himself to the left of Joe Biden, which I think is very telling. So this is the the kind Uh, of the, the the, the center right now, and although people like to call Trump extreme right, and and, it, and certainly his kind of racial politics seem to be, um, in practice, in terms of kind of economic policy, in terms of uh, foreign policy, he's kind of just center right. It's just that it's a very different center right to what we've been accustomed over you know to over the past thirty years. But anyway, so you know if Trump is positioning himself to the left of Biden, then and and Boris Johnson is also kind of pushing leftwards. We can maybe assume that that's going to be the the future of the of the center right. More corporatist, perhaps, with more um, you know, kind of more handouts, greater role for the state and in leading investment, uh, this kind of thing. Yeah. So if that's, right. if that's if that's if that's if that's the new center right, what are the other what are the other sections of society doing? Whether sections of capital or sections of labor or the middle classes, what are they doing to orient around that new um, that new development?
1: Right. So my 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 take on it is is the following that if you have a situation of the breakdown of neoliberalism, then what is what is the kind of conservative response going to be? And I think the sort of the first steps in this are are seen in in to a certain extent in America, but also in in the UK and a variety of of other places as well. But this is that this is it's it's essentially a a, a step towards the towards the center or a step towards an an understanding of the necessity of reform so the people who are really going to be looking to maintain or to save capitalism in the next decade I think are going to be are going to be self-consciously packaging what they're doing as reforming it um, as recognizing the failure of the progressive neoliberal um, model and putting forward a kind of the next the next, idea as being a post neoliberal conservatism and this is specifically i think going to be an alliance of the traditional class interests of, of capital with a fraction of the working class that's left behind and left cold by progressive neoliberalism so that's 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 my my take on it and that this this class alliance will be cemented to a certain extent by I guess some um, state capitalism greater public expenditure greater investment and attention to regional differences um and I think this is a this is a pretty solid contender for what is going to be the the mainstream or you know some people say hegemonic um kind of i guess family political ideologies that we're going to see in the next decade
0: yeah i i mean i buy that i don't like i don't think the term reform is at all correct because it's it's not reforming capitalism in any substantial way it's uh, mm. just kind of it's just kind of trying to buy uh, uh, buy the support it's trying to buy the support of different sections of society who haven't benefited but it's not really isn't it's that really
2: yeah it's changing capitalism that's very clear
0: and mm, i would yeah, but say changing capitalism is, isn't i mean reform reformism isn't just changing capitalism
1: i think there's going to be a new flavor of this kind of kind of centrist I mean, people might put on the left might might paint it as right wing, but I think it this kind of quite centrist approach, I think more ethical capitalism. This is going to become apparent. So, you know, this I this idea that we have. Um, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, well, that we have a greater responsibility as consumers um, and that firms have a greater responsibility to, to the environment. Um, and this is not this is I think this is a reform it's not trying to change the fundamental structure but it's trying to change the packaging you know and this is obviously a trend which has been more or less peripheral for for quite a while philanthropic capitalism green capitalism blah 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 capitalism but yeah i think this this is you can see this already being mainstreamed already the the new agenda that the financial times talked about in september t- 2019 this is this is where it this is where it goes it goes into actually not into into quite a quite a mainstream um, approach that recognises the failures of of this progressive neoliberal model and then tries to to put forward a kind of slightly more caring um, face, while at the same time attacking, for example, in the UK, attacking working class institutions.
0: Uh, okay, I I mean I don't disagree with the uh, with with um, the fact that that ethical capitalism stuff. Um, will will be of growing importance, but as we discussed when we discussed that, that um, those things in, in a kind of previous patrons episode, uh, it's different because it's not the kind of ethical consumerism of progressive neoliberalism, right? It's not the it's not the hey you should buy fair trade, which is you know supported by left leaning middle classes, right? No,
2: it won't be. It won't it's, be that it's, kind it's, of it's, model. It's, it's It'll not be that. Difference. So yeah.
0: exactly, exactly, and the people that. A, a new Boris Johnson conservative government is trying to appeal to hate that shit, you know, hate the ethical consumerism stuff. Cause that's the, that's the left liberal thing. So I, I, I don't think that those two come together at all. Um, I think that's, I think it's, that's picking two, I, di- two very different things.
1: I think that's a good point, but I would differentiate a kind of communitarian approach. So like, let's all have a bit more, a bit more kind of responsibility taken collectively for you know what we do and and for the society we live in and let's try and build bridges and kind of bring everyone together and that is quite different from a um a, a shinier and more individualistic more kind of i guess even identity focused approach to consumption which is okay this is this is how i can display my radicalism it's not i don't think it's going to be self-consciously radical um in any real in any real sense i think instead it will be It'll be conservative in the sense of we have in order to conserve the environment, in order to conserve communities, we need to we need to reform our our behavior a little bit. You know, the acid bath of neoliberalism has destroyed communities and people's sense of obligation. So let's just bit by bit bring this back. That's that's the way I see it going.
0: I mean, that looks more like uh, in the UK currently blue labor um, and it doesn't look at all like Trumpism. Right, because Trumpism is much more combative and anti political, uh, and and you know, anti establishment, at least rhetorically. Yeah, but it's
2: based on, the, um, it's based on it? the nation. It is based on claiming protective interests and um defending the borders, securing better deals for American workers, the speech by Trump, the Bannonite speech by Trump on his first um in his inaugural address about the fact the empty rusting factories like tombstones. So there is a strong, um, there is a strong kind of collectivist sentiment behind it. And also trying to encourage us companies to um, bring their, bring their investments from offshore back, back to the States. And that seems to be um, accelerating under the Trump administration. They're encouraging it. The regionalization of the global economy is also kind of um, underpinning that drive as well. So, so, I mean, I think if fits it fits what George is saying. It'll be a different kind of the the justification for capitalism will look different. And it won't be the ethical kind of the neo the neoliberal kind of ethical capitalism or the progressive neoliberal vision of justifying capitalism from the left, which was the consumerism kind of promoted in the Guardian. um, but there will be a new justification of capitalism that is collectivist and will be more centrist, I think, as well. I think the left will, Try and manoeuvre around it, and try and buy into it, um, and obviously then this is where the overlap is between Sanders and between Trump.
1: Yeah, I think we can we can make a bit of a concrete prediction here. You know, to be proved wrong in five years time or however long that you know i think we all we all agree that trump is pretty much nailed on to be uh to be re-elected and that you know you can maybe make some some predictions about what his second term is going to look like and i think it will <clears throat> i think that's a that is a good distinction to make that the justification of capitalism will not be um ethical individualist atomized consumerist but it will be based on nation you know Bringing communities together, I think that Trump will be will be a little bit more conciliatory in his in well, notwithstanding his personal kind of um, whatever he he w- will think he will say approach to, um, to to politics and to tweeting, but I think the the general trend will be to to have a a more communitarian um, approach to 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 I guess centrist politics which i think trump will, will will fit this this model
0: well i mean i i don't personally buy that too much just because it so much of his appeal has been based on fighting for white america against the liberal progressives basically who are outcast from from the nation right mm. um, and so I mean, I, I, maybe that's still maybe that's still maybe you're saying that there'll be a, a transformation in that, and that the kind of new center right politics will mm. will will abandon that. But it, it seems so fundamental to uh, all that Trump has been about that it seems like too, too big a going for
2: me. I don't think the racial dynamic is that strong in Trumpism. I think there um, the nationalism is a stronger component.
0: Um, Same thing. You know, the white is incidental. The point is that you might even have support from from, you know, different ethnic groups or whatever. The the point is that it's a nationalism against set out against the kind of uh, the traitors to the nation. Right. Yeah. And I guess I guess there are other models you can have
1: of this. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be this kind of communitarian, one nation Tory um model which which perhaps in my it seems to uh, cloud my imagination or take up my my vision i mean there can be a more ecological nationalism and we've already seen in austria the coalition between the right and greens we you know in switzerland and germany as well there's there's a possibility for I guess, a sort of greener nationalism rather than a whiter one, as in the case of Trump.
2: So that moves us on to um, the far right. Uh, so what happens to the alt-right? What happens to uh, eco-reaction? Some of the things that we addressed um, a few episodes back when we talked with Lee Phillips about um, about green fascism or um, the, the overlap between the alt-right and uh, kind of uh, the ra- radical, deep green ideas. So what happens on that score? Because well, something that strikes me is the old, it seems like the old right is already over. Um, there was that brief flare up when everybody a vastly exaggerated its significance when Richard Spencer kind of erupted briefly in the immediate aftermath of um, Trump's victory. Um, and everybody took this as, uh, uh, you know, as kind of symbolic of, or the entirety of the Trump phenomenon. And it's faded away fairly quickly. Um, we don't hear so much about them anymore. And it's not because they've become normalised. Quite the opposite. It's because they simply haven't. They simply don't characterise. They they were a kind of flare up in the in the initial breakthrough and disintegration of the technocratic consensus. But now they've disappeared. And it doesn't seem to me that they characterise much of um, much of the contemporary right. But it does leave the question then. So what happens to the far right? To to phenomena like the alt right, tell us, George, what do you think? How did you lay it out in in your um, in the section that you wrote?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I largely agree with that. The alt right is is spent. Their transgressivism is, you know, it's kind of good for one shot. It's kind of good for making headlines once, and then it and then it kind of it loses a lot of its um, its. I don't know its ability to shock and its appeal, um, and I think that Angela Nagel's book *Kill All Normies* that that period is is over, and I don't think it's likely to be to be coming back. Um, and I'm sure there would still be subcultural um, expressions of this kind of um, maybe white male resentment that she that she captures, I think, very well in that book. But I don't see it personally being a really important political um force i don't see there really being any um any vehicle to make that into a lasting critique of 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 trumpism in its second term or of any other sort of um dominant national national politics so i mean i i I think i think we can basically say that the alt-right is that's that sort of weird reactionary mirror to identity politics that's that seems to me to be to be over actually
2: it's interesting. I wonder if the very something we have chatted about as well in the same episode with Lee is whether the shift to extreme right violence, um, the shooters, the white nationalist shooters um, in Western Europe and in the US in recent times, whether that's an indication of the disintegration and impotence of the alt-right, the turn to these kind of anomalous mass uh, mass uh, casualty terrorism um, is an indication of their wider political failure. Their turn to violence usually is a sign of failure in those kinds of movements and ideologies.
1: So it's the final isolated nihilists, the um, expending yeah, expending their energy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that paroxysm of violence is what finishes it. Yeah, I mean, so that that I think seems to be to be um, relatively clear. But I guess that what's much less clear to me personally. Um, is what happens around i guess this idea of the possibility of a great personality or a or a, a strong man of some sort. what are the contexts in which this this could be a solution to the uncertainty of the political moment in bad context Trump is strong man politics he's not that strong he's well, he's not, not that strong, but i mean he tries to he's not he that doesn't, hench, is he he's not
2: been no, it's true he's not been as effective in. Uh, disintegrating the structures and institutions of the American Republic as liberals feared. Um, But that said, I mean, he certainly postures as a strong man. And he oscillates between the kind of tremendous bluster against, um, you know, tin pot kind of uh, tin pot tyrannies like uh, North Korea, and then um, being uh, kind of showering them with benevolence and love bombing them with largesse and promise of trade deals and Trump towers and Pyongyang and all of that. So but there is a there is a kind of posturing strongman element there. Um, I don't know if there's other kind of figures who I mean, well, I mean, I guess the obvious kind of strongman is Macron, um, the liberal strongman who's presided over um, a truly remarkable reign of uh, rubber bullet violence, rubber bullet liberalism now for many months in France. And that's a liberal strongman. Mm. Um, So there's that model of being the strongman as well, I guess.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I, I didn't.
2: You I didn't think, think you were going
0: to say that. quiet. But I mean, well, because I I think this is all. I mean, you know, the alt right, fine, but that's not the far right. Uh, the alt right so is us. A kind of what little, is right? it's an it's an Anglo world internet-y thing, which doesn't really matter. Or it, it takes expression as uh, nihilist individuated terror. Okay, fine. Uh, I agree with that. That I mean, those terrorist acts might well continue, but as an organized answer political force. We the question
2: as to the far right beyond the alt-right. So yeah, tell us what exactly. you
0: think. So, I mean, even the, far, I mean, even the kind of more, uh, a far right, which is moving in a, in a more centrist direction and has been doing that for a while, to take, uh, you know, Le Pen and, uh, and the Rassemblement National in, in France, right, the old Front National, uh, which has been able to... Um, yeah, but it's not far
2: it, right anymore. That's the point.
0: Well, uh, indeed, but I mean, then, then what? That a kind of moderated. Uh, well, Mag Goodwin, moderated...
2: Matt Goodwin, says hard right um, or uh, you know, kind of populist nationalists or national sorry, national populism. Um, yeah. There are ways to differentiate. Which, which is I mean, which is the centre not...
0: right that you which is the centre right that we were just discussing in terms of some of, of Johnson, them. Yeah, but sure, but
2: they're not. But they're not. I mean, I think the important point is the the fronas. Um, Uh, the national rally of Marine Le Pen isn't fascist. Um, And that's the break. No, I know. But the point is, I know. Okay. Don't be so defensive. Take it easy. No, this is, this is, this is an important point. Just to jump in here. Just to jump in here really quickly. Well, let me finish. So it's not far right. right. It's not far right. It's not fascist. So it still leaves us with the question of if there is kind of, and they don't, it doesn't have to be a mass phenomenon. We're just trying to describe what it looks like kind of politically, organizationally, ideologically, um, you know, it could be a party, say, um, uh, Jobbik in Hungary, or parties to the right of um, certain other kind of right-wing parties in. Um, what about the a- AFD
0: politics? to take it to take a bigger to take a bigger country and in and in Western Europe because the conditions are a bit different to to, to Eastern Europe. Um, I
2: think AFD yeah. is the equivalent of the National Rally in Germany. Yeah, I think that occupies the same space. So it's certainly to the right of uh, it's something to the right of. Um, you know, it's, uh, in that same kind of political space, but I think it would be a mistake to characterize the AFD as fascist as well, much more kind of politically of incoherent and confused. Um, and not, uh, with many kind of different kind of tendencies within it, that's still feeling its way along a new, um, political project that would give it some kind of coherence. Uh, so it still leaves the question as to what is uh, genuine, you know, what characterizes, um, the far right, or is it just, you know, it's just kind of still, uh, an inchoate and in Kuwait and essentially impotent fascism, essentially, you know, there's nothing, so might, nothing. Again, again we're
0: not talking about what we're not talking about what's going to be hegemonic. We're just going to be talk about what yeah. exists and what is it. So, so George, George um, wanted
1: to jump in. So George, jump in. Yeah, I mean, so my 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 point here is, that I think, and I think this is an important claim that I'm assuming we would we would all endorse that the conditions for fascism are, are not present, so there can be con- the conditions for anti-fascism um so there can be um, liberal plenty of that li- yep there can be liberal fear of 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 working class agency but fundamentally there is not a strong coherent i mean this is to generalize globally but not a strong coherent socialist alternative and that is a that is a precondition for 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 fascism and if that doesn't exist then the, it's interesting or it's important to think who is painting what as fascism because there There. i mean i think we can say this now there's not going to be a fascist. Movement in the next in the next decade, because there seems really unlikely, unfortunately, to be um, a, to be a genuine socialist alternative in in that time period.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm I agree with that, but that doesn't exclude various forms of you know
1: people nationalist can,
0: reaction, right? Yeah, people so, can and, and they exist slashes, and they exist uh, and they exist already. I mean, I, I don't think. The arguments that are made that you know ah the, the Front National is growing the the AfD is growing that's not actually true they've kind of all both of them have stabilized um, and it applies probably equally to 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 other kind of uh hard right parties in in Western Europe but that but that still said you know how do we chart because we're talking about charting this forward not talking about the state of things now um, what happens to the those parties what happens to uh, their voters right do they or do, do they start vote? Do, and I think what the argument would be to t- kind of try to tie this discussion about the far right and what we we're discussing about the new center right, a new post neoliberal center right, is that it is precisely the fact that the the center right abandons neoliberalism and becomes more corporatist, um, slightly more redistributionist, with a slightly larger role for the state, as well as aban- as well as adopts. Um, a cultural politics which is more nationalist, it's able to basically steal the energy of, uh, of those far right movements who, uh, prey on on kind of on, on the aban- people's abandonment, especially kind of provincial petty bourgeoisie, uh, their their feeling of, of kind of abandonment and cultural loss. Because I mean, that's what that's what the the base of those parties is, right? Um, it's pro- it's provincial petty bourgeoisie bolstered by um, generally ex left voting working class people. Right, that's 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 who has voted for. That's who voted for Trump as well. Uh, it's who voted for. It's who votes for the AFD in Germany. It's who votes for the 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 RN in France. Um, so if we're saying that the new center right is more nationalist, uh, both economically as well as culturally, then I guess the argument is that that steals a lot of the, the the space, the the oxygen, and the energy of the the far right of what exists now to the right of of the center so yeah. right. Do you, do you
1: agree yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think there's another thing that comes in as well, which is if you're looking at what political movements, I guess, kind of reject wholesale um, the existing order, that this is potentially where ecological catastrophism comes in, or really quite. Uh, I don't. I don't like ecofascism as a as a phrase. I mean, I know there is some, but I don't think it's particularly useful for characterising something like Extinction Rebellion on on the whole. Um, but there is a there is a a, a place on this for, for this um sort of movement to i think attract some of the, the these kind of petty bourgeois um anti-systemic um quite quite radicalized quite disappointed quite culturally displaced individuals and i think this is this is it's difficult to say at this point in 10 years hence what what the kind of the, the, the hardest core or the, the, the vanguard of environmental movement will look like, but certainly there is a potential catchment for this. Somebody
2: younger than Greta Thunberg?
1: Um, than she is now, or, that she, or than, than she, she will be now. then. That's, that's, very, that's quite young. I mean, maybe the symbol will be an, an unborn baby who is, who is not... No,
2: because they don't want death to babies. They don't want the human race to reproduce.
1: Well... But
2: this yeah. takes us this takes us on to our next um they take takes us on our next issue, I guess, to talk about so wild cards, how do wild cards. So we've tried to map out some of this with some degree of you know, with some degree of uh, tussling back and forth as to what some of the uh, places on the conventional political spectrum of left and right, what they might look like in the new dispensation to emerge over the next few years. And it leaves the question of wild cards. Um, so economic crisis or technological innovation. Or environmental catastrophe. What environmental catastrophe might look like? Tell us, George, how do you envision it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the this is the thing which... Or
2: indeed, uh, coronageddon.
1: Yeah, coronageddon. I mean, I, I think the starting point has to be that despite things being extremely fluid um, and there being an ever-present possibility of crisis under capitalism, that actually... Things are starting to stabilize a little bit. Actually, we've we've had this emergence out of the end of history, this kind of the end of the end of history. This this process of of flux and and contestation, and now maybe it's you can see things starting to develop a more um, a more coherent, a more solid, and a more stable as 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 stable as politics ever is um, formation. And I think this this would be my um this would be my my approach that i don't really see there being an um an exogenous factor which is likely really to to, to change things i think it's more likely that the, this n- next decade will see slow and gradual incremental change that's that's my you know listen to this in in eight years time and think what a fucking idiot um but that's my that's my take
0: what do you think? George? There's no reason for this podcast in that case. I would say yes, quite um, so. As a whole, because uh, what? if if we're no. returning, yeah, no, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah no, Alex, that's, that's what it, people exactly should what you're, prepare. No, Hang right. on, no, people should prepare exactly to be, be if you're saying that we're not it, no. ten years. No, no, well, I'm, I think literally if that is what happens, there's no point in listening to this podcast or even paying attention to much of what's happening in politics. because if things are to stabilize um, and you get a kind of hegemonic nationalist right and a kind of imp- and a, and an impotent uh, liberal, globalist kind of liberal left, uh, and that is the the, the face off that you get. Then, then basically, there's no point in paying attention. Um, I think that is probably, fortunately, not what's going to happen because uh, the the turbulence, the newly turbulent world that we've entered into in the past decade, uh, will continue being. Turbulent, in part, just because uh, capitalism is not able to sustain itself in its current in its current form, it's unable to satisfy people's uh, demands, uh, and uh, the kind of the breakdown will will continue apace. Because it, it's worth remembering that it's what we're seeing is not just the breakdown of. Uh, the kind of neoliberal era and the breakdown of of um you know of what what was set what was set up in the you know 1990s and 2000s but we're also seeing the breakdown of the 20th century still you know the the kind of old conflict between center left and center right parties um which we've discussed a number of times before that something that continues to break down so it'll throw up new political actors um you get is much more fragmented what do
2: you mean by okay i mean i think that's probably true but i mean breakdown what do you mean by breakdown I think the American economy seems like, you know, Corona, the Corona kind of, um, the negative impact of Corona notwithstanding, it seems to be powering along. Um, sure, I think but, but probably the years, British economy will probably grow, um, at least by comparison, will grow to a degree, at least by comparison to the stagnation of the European Union. So um, those economies have, that
0: seem then, to but be... But then the stagnation, but exactly, but then yeah. you have the stagnation of the European <laughs> Union. So uh, those economies, at least. So that, mm, that sure, that's a real but problem. I mean,
2: yeah, I know. But all I'm saying is, I don't, you know, this picture of kind of um, declinism in capitalism that you're portraying, I don't f- see that it's going to characterize... I didn't say declinism
0: the... capitalism. I, that's what not did what you I, say? That's not what I said. No, I was, I, was talk, I was saying that there's a breakdown of the political structures uh, of the 20th mm-hmm. century, as well as of the early 21st century uh okay but you, you may you're talking uh, in you fairly
2: have... generic terms so we talked we spoke we you know we started out with the idea of wild cards not kind of uh so if, okay we, i mean i think we're all agreed about the decl- you know the disintegration of the inherited political structures and institutions of the last century which have been which were artificially prolonged in the last 30 years um at the end of the end at the end of history and we're seeing that that breaking down now but what about the, the point mean, is that
0: the point the point what i'm trying to make up the point about is that the in contrast to george is that we will continue with a lot of turbulence just because you don't have significant economic growth for all that the united states economy is doing okay it rests on still the kind of wage repression to a significant degree uh if we think a new nationalist right will be a little bit more redistributive right and try to buy back people that it lost um, in doing that, you know, it doesn't have a huge amount of room for maneuver. Uh, it has to it, it either, you know, if it starts taxing to a greater degree, then it starts taxing profits. Sections of capital won't be happy with that. Uh, or it doesn't do that. Uh, and, you know, it's worth remembering that ta- Trump passed more tax cuts. So um, it, it, and if it doesn't do that, then it's not able to buy people's support in the, in the way that we've suggested it might uh, by adopting slightly more redistributive policies. So I think just basically my point being is that politics has relatively little room for maneuver, establishment policy has little room for maneuver, and that doesn't exclude the possibility of another serious economic downturn and crash even. So, and if that happens, I think that that, you know, shakes the, shakes the, the cookie jar even more and then the cookies start to to break apart which is a kind of a pretty shitty metaphor. Terrible
1: but, you know. terrible terrible metaphor. I I see I see what you're saying but I want to I want to defend my my point a little bit and particularly address I think the, you should. I particularly defend address the point. point that if 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 this is the case then there's no point doing or listening to this podcast. I think the 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 situation that faces us is one that I mean think about the, the 2008 economic crisis that didn't instantly and kind of spontaneously produce a a left like a global left that was ready to 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 take power and to to change Well, the opposite destroy the left yeah and so i think this is the you know i'm i I think we we can say that we're in it it for the long haul and actually you know it's not it's not that we're going to have two years three years and then it's all going to be fine we're all going to have you know we're all going to have socialism but the conditions are there for a long term of you know and this is in terms of decades for a long-term project and which they weren't there you know 5 years ago so actually I'm I'm very optimistic even though I say that I would say that things are you know that there will be stability and I think in that situation that is exactly the time that you need a global politics podcast because that's when you're starting to or oh, that's when you need to take in ideas globally and start to start to develop i guess some some demands and some um some <laughs> some alternatives i mean i, th- I think the it's too easy in some ways to say you know we're going to have flux we're going to have um, i guess everything being being turbulent because i mean i think uh, in reality we we had an opportunity of of uh, a resettlement after the end of history ended and actually it's almost that there's been a, there's been an absence of a, of a new ideology to take to to take on i guess a global role and re and re um reform society after neoliberalism. So I think it will be a, a kind of uh, a less um, uh, less exciting, in some ways, um, period of global politics.
2: Okay, so to help kind of concentrate our minds, usually what people or what the kind of the new thing in forecasting is, is that to force people to get beyond um, play, uh, hedging their bets and playing it safe, that you have to stake some money on particular outcomes. And that the act of um, uh, facing up to a potential loss forces you to concentrate your thinking, concentrate your mind and reach a clear and decisive um, claim or stake your money on a clear and decisive outcome, which helps to clarify what's at stake and also helps to sharpen everybody's thinking as to making predictions in general, not least because of the fact that it allows us to identify error. So um, is anyone willing to put any money down on anything that we've been talking about? Might we even take a few bunga bets, maybe uh,
1: some bunga bets from George and Alex? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got some money on. Well, that's where you got money on. You should, you should never bet on things that you want to happen because <laughs> that's, you know, that's a way to, to lose money and be disappointed. Um, so I, I've got some money on Trump to win in 2020. I, I think he'll beat Biden. I mean, I don't, that's obviously not how would, would want to happen, but that's what I think will happen i don't know what 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 concrete what concretely could we could we look to put money on because we've obviously we yeah. should we should we should look to put our money where our, our mouths are and also this is the first where step to being, a, to being a think tank or to being a political consultancy is basically saying this is what we <laughs> think is going to happen let's put put a hundred uh, hundred quid on it to see so- to see what shakes out
2: So I told you guys before I should have put money on Savid Javid, the um, former chancellor, going in the in the last um, cabinet reshuffle, because it seemed to be an obvious way for Boris Johnson precisely to consolidate this new kind of Johnsonian project. Um, That Javid was, uh, you know, he's a Ayn Rand nerd. He was kind of a thorn in Johnson's side because he was holding, using the Treasury to hold back Johnson's spending and infrastructure plans and was generally obstructionist to the attempt to build a new um, cross-class coalition underpinning the Tory party. And therefore, it seemed obvious to me that Savid Javid was going to go out, but nobody else was talking about it. Therefore, unfortunately, I didn't put my money where my thinking was, at least, though I should have in retrospect, obviously. Well, if there's anything that our listeners would be willing to put their money on uh, bunga beds or to encourage us to put money on, uh, get in touch. Um, but beyond that also, if our listeners have any um, ideas or comments about what we've been chatting about or um, suggestions for things that we've left out or examples maybe to illustrate some of the things we've been talking about where, and particularly in countries that we might not have discussed or might have overlooked, where um, that exemplify and illustrate some of these broad trends, or maybe that push against them, that are counter examples, then give us, uh, drop us a line and get in touch. If you've got criticisms or disagreements, we'd also be very interested to hear them. Now is the time in the writer's room stage to um, build those in before um, before we finalise the book project. So we're very interest, interested to hear from our listeners. Um, and you can do all of that through the Patreon. You can get in touch directly through um, through the Patreon website. So thank you all very much. Thank you to George and Alex.
1: <laughs> thanks thanks for thanking us okay. that's very No nice. you're welcome nice to hear. Thanks for,
2: thanks for coming on to the podcast Thanks for coming on to the podcast